Good morning, church. It's good to see you and be with you today. Uh, as we continue in our, uh, our vision series that Pastor Kevin started um, last week. Uh, there's an article this week in the, uh, the Atlantic. It was by David Brooks, and it's called How America Got Mean. Uh, and in it, he, uh, he, he's trying to answer the question, now, why is there so much hatred, animosity, division, polarization, anxiety, depression in our society? All these things are rising. Everyone feels it, and, and you know, statistically, it's also happening. Uh, and so why, why, is all, why is this happening? Uh, and you know, he says there's, there's several stories that people tell that try to you know, make sense of this. You know, there's a technology story that uh, social media is making us all crazy. Um, there's a sociological story that uh, says we, we've stopped being a part of voluntary community organizations. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that, that has kind of, we, we're more isolated than ever. And that's the, the cause of our malaise. There's the, the demography story, the demog demographic story uh, about uh, America being a primarily white nation that's becoming more and more diverse. And so that causes stress and, and, uh, and you know, anger. Um, there's a, uh, an economic story about uh, the insecurity and, uh, you know, inequality in, in, our, in, our, uh, in our nation and in, in the uh, unstable markets. And this is the, the cause of, of the anxiety and, and the problems. And what he says is, you know, there's, there's some truth to all of those stories, each of them. Uh, but, but his argument is that there, there's actually a deeper story, a more simple story. Um, and and he, he argues that the, the reason uh, we, we've gotten so mean uh, is because our society has lost uh, the ability to, uh, to do moral formation, he says all the, the kind of the web of institutions uh, in, in our society uh, used to really be focused on instilling virtue, on, on training people, forming people morally, and uh, we've lost that, that goal and that ability. We don't do it anymore, don't do it well. And, and I, I, I think it's a, it's a good argument um, and I think if you, could, if, you, if you say that, if you say, well, our, our society has lost the ability to do moral formation, I think also you could say that, that the church um, has lost much of the ability to, to do spiritual formation. Right? How, how do we form people into the image of Christ? How do, we, how do people change? This gets to very fundamental questions about us, doesn't it? Right? Spiritual formation. How, how, does, how, do, how, do, how do we change? How do we grow as we think about our vision for our church, right, we've said uh, th this vision, these three weeks uh, are, are about what will happen if we make disciples and we make much of Jesus. If we, if we do what we're, we're setting out to do in our mission, uh, then what will happen? What will we see? What, who will we be? And we said last week, we will be people first that treasure the gospel of Jesus. And today we're talking about uh, that we will be people, I think, who live the way of Jesus, who live the way of Jesus. We're talking about spiritual formation. How do we become more and more like Jesus? How do we live in the way that he lays out and calls, uh, calls us to? I think for many people, spiritual formation has become a mystery, right? We know we should grow. We know, I, I, know, I know I always respond impatiently to my kids when they ask me for the third time, and I don't want to keep blowing up in anger, but I don't know how to change that, right? I, I know that I, I, I'm addicted to this sin. I know that, that this is going to kill me in the end, that I, and I, I don't have the strength to, to overcome it on my own, but I don't know what to do. I don't know how to grow, how, how to mature out of this. 
And we, we think it's just a mystery. It's just a, you know, we just hope it'll all just happen if we, you know, just keep living our lives. But it's not a mystery. There is a path. There is a way of spiritual formation and it's the way of Jesus. And so today we're gonna see in this passage, we're looking at Colossians 3, 1 through 17, which is this just, uh, it, it's so wonderful. Uh, it, and it, but I think it's one of, the most, uh, one of the most comprehensive and concise visions of the Christian life, the whole Christian life, what it means to walk in the way of Jesus. And so we're gonna dive in to this today. We're gonna see three things, the context, the content, and concrete steps of spiritual formation. Right, I, I've been hearing your feedback getting your emails and you said, we want more alliteration, Lawson. You got it. You got it. I'm here for you. The content, the content, sorry, the context, I'm confusing myself now. Context, the content and concrete steps of spiritual formation. Let's pray uh, and then we'll, we'll dive in today. Would you take a moment in, in your chair where you are in your heart uh, just to, to ask God to speak to you today through his word. Would you also pray for your neighbor, uh, whoever's sitting beside you, whoever's around you, would you pray for them, that God would speak to them? Lastly, would you pray for me, that I would be faithful to God's word and I would be helpful to you. Father, we, we come before you again today. We come to your word, to this magnificent passage. And Lord, would we be able to, to stand underneath your word to uh, not to stand over it in judgment against it and <laughs> deciding what we like, what we dislike out of it, but instead to sit underneath your word in submission as a student, as a learner, as a disciple. Would you speak to us? Would, you, would we hear from you today? You know how powerless I am to, to change anyone's heart, even my own. You know how powerless I am to, to see this vision of living the way of Jesus worked out in my own life in, or in, in much less the life of our whole church. Lord, but this is not hard for you. And so would you, would you do this? Would you work in us? Would you, would you speak? Would you shape us? And would you form us into the image of Christ? In Jesus' name we ask, amen. First, the context, the context of spiritual formation. Uh, well, it, Paul says in, in uh, chapter one, so if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The first uh, context, so the context was saying, how, do, how are we formed spiritually? How, how do we, where does it happen? Right, well, the, 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 it has to be in a certain context. And the first context is that you have to be raised with Christ. If you have been raised with Christ, it might seem like an obvious thing to say, but if you wanna grow spiritually, 
You have to be alive spiritually. If you are a, uh, if you're a Christian here, there was a time, wasn't there, in your life, there was a point in history where you, uh, you saw Jesus for who he is. You saw that he loved you. You saw that he died on the cross for your sins. He rose from the dead, that he's the Lord. You saw he's gonna come back. And, and you said, in that moment, you said, I trust him, right? And what, and what happened in that moment was that you died, right? You gave up your, the rights to your life. You gave up your dreams. You gave up your hopes. You gave up your passion. You gave up all of the, the way that you were trying to manage your life, be a good person, save yourself. You give all that away. You die. You went into the grave. The old you, gone, and then what happened? The new you rose with Christ. Right? You're raised with Christ and now he is your life. Right? You died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when he, who is your life, when Christ appears, then you'll also appear with him in glory. Right? This happened at a moment in time for you. And this is the first context. You have to be raised with Jesus in order um, to, to grow. This is, this is the context where spiritual formation uh, happens. Not only that, though, not only that, that is the, the most important context, but as we are raised with Christ, right, as we're united with him, we're, we're put in Christ, right? He's in us, we're in him, as the scriptures talk about. Um, not only are we united with, with Jesus, um, but we are united with everyone else who's also united with Jesus, you know, does that make sense? Like if I'm in Christ and Matt's in Christ, you know, and Ashley's in Christ, then we're all united together, right? There's no getting, there's no getting away from each other. We're brought into the family of God. And we tend to read the New Testament very individualistically, right? We read this. So if you have been raised with Christ, we just think about me individually. But that's not a, that the, the English sort of tricks us. That's not a singular you. That's a plural you. That's, that's y'all, you know, that's the Texas version. If y'all have been raised with Christ. Right? He's talking to a community here. He's talking to people. He's talking to the church. And we are together. And in this community, as we come in, um, down in verse 11, it says, in Christ, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. And when we enter into Christ, when we come in, all human divisions are, are put aside. All the ways that we rank our, each other and, and judge each other and ourselves, they're all put, put away, right? Jew and Gentile, Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision. This was the biggest division in the early church, the, the Jews and non-Jews. How do we get together? So much in the New Testament is about that. How do we, how do we get together and not, uh, not fight and not disagree a barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, saying, hey, listen, the, the, the barbarian, the Scythian, the, the Mongol raider on the, you know, on the steps uh, and the, the educated Athenian you know, Greek believer, they're, they're, there's different culturally as you could possibly be. That doesn't matter anymore because if you're in Christ, in Christ is what matters. If you're a slave or you're a slave owner, right? This, the, the, the book of Philemon was probably sent with Colossians, right? About a slave owner reconciling with the slave. Uh, the, those Divisions don't matter anymore. What matters, what's primary is that you are in Christ, right? Jesus is all. He is what matters. He's in all. Right, we share Christ. We share the most fundamental thing. And so we're, we're raised with Christ. 
We're united with him and we're brought together into a community. This is the context where spiritual formation can happen. And lastly, on the context, um, is that we're brought into a process. We're brought into a process. Notice, it, 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 Paul says, if you have been raised with Christ, that's something that happened in the past. If you're a Christian, again, that happened to you in history. There's a point in history where you died and were raised with Christ. Um, but you know what? What didn't happen at that moment is snap. All your problems were gone and you're, you're completely perfect. Never, no more struggles with sin, right? Am I the only one? <laughs> Shoot. No, right? No, this is a process and, it, and it, it's expected. It should be. We should know that, right? Because he says, you are, down in verse 10, you are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. Like this is a process. It's an ongoing thing that happens. It's not a, just a single moment where we are perfected. And I think this explains uh, you know, this helps explain a lot of things. You might have heard someone say, hey, I, I just can't be a Christian because I just know too many of them. You know, they're all hypocrites. You know, I'd say, man, you know, in a way, you know, yes, totally right. We're all hypocrites. Do we all not live up to what we know? <laughs> of course. Yeah, we, we all fail to live up to the standard that we, the, the scriptures, the standard that we believe, we say we believe. And I would challenge you and say, and don't you also, non-believer, don't you also not live up to the standard that you say you believe, that you hold other people to? Of course not. Right? If you're a hypocrite, you'll, be, you'll fit right in here. We're all hypocrites. But this explains, doesn't it, Christians, our, our struggle with sin. So many people struggle with sin and they just wonder, do I, am I even a believer? Listen, struggling with sin doesn't mean you're not a believer. In fact, it's, I mean, we should expect it. John says, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. The truth's not in you. It's actually, if you're not struggling with sin, you should be the most worried. If you're struggling, that means you're kicking. You're alive. There's, there's spiritual life in there. I think this also explains this process, right? That we're in process. It explains why some non-Christians are better people than some Christians, you probably know, I mean, my neighbors are just so hospitable. I, I, well, I met this, I have this teacher, she's just so kind, but totally an atheist. Well, does that disprove Christianity? I mean, well, I guess they can't, like that's, the, if, if you have an atheist teacher that's more kind than any Christian, you know, does that disprove it? Does it mean it's not true? No. Why? Well, because our, our salvation, our faith is not based on our performance. It's based on grace. It's based on what Jesus has done for us. And we're all in process. And you don't know where in the process we are. <laughs> you don't know where, we may be right at the beginning on something, right? We're all walking the road that Jesus has laid out for us. And so we're raised with Christ. We're united to him. We're united to each other. Uh, Christ is all. And when we begin this process, right, of spiritual formation, this is, this is the context where it happens. Next, let's look at the content, the content of spiritual formation. I, I, I want to point out at the beginning that there is a definite content 
to spiritual formation. There, there are, this isn't in the, the realm of, uh, you know, of, of theory or of subject, subjective feelings. You know? Like some people might like this kind of spiritual formation. Some people might like this kind of spiritual formation. No, no, no. There's a definite content to spiritual formation. The reason is because of what spiritual formation is. Right? We are being renewed in knowledge, or since says, according to the image of your creator. We are be- being made like Jesus. And, and Jesus is a person who has a definite character. Right? He is compassionate. He is kind. He is gentle. Right? And he's not other things. He's not vengeful. He's not malicious. Right? There, there are, because Christ is a person who has a real character and formation is being formed into his image, there's content to spiritual formation. There's objective, there's objective content. We, like, we should forgive, for instance, and not withhold forgiveness. You see, so there's, there's content and, and there's negative and positive. This is where Paul goes here in, in Colossians. There's a negative first, and then there's the positive. And so the negative starts in verse five. Therefore, therefore, because of this context, because you're in Christ, because you've been raised, therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, with its, with it, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. Notice that there is a negative to the Christian life. Francis Schaeffer was so good on this. They're saying, we have to feel the negative or it's not, it's not real, right? Like th- there is a real negative to the Christian life. There is a real uh, way that we will have to say no to our desires, Right, in a culture that, that says repression is one of the worst evils, you know, you need to express yourself. The Bible says you will have many, many, many desires that are wrong and are harmful and you will need to say no to them. Right, therefore, put to death, look at, look at the words, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. It means there are things inside you that need to be executed. You see, there are things inside you that need to be killed. Well, how could Paul have said it any stronger? I don't know that he could have. Put it to death. What's earthly in you? This sinful nature, the sin, remaining sin inside us. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire. These all, all are around sexual immorality. Why? Why does Paul focus on, on that? I think it's, it's, it's an example, right? Isn't it the epitome of, of self-centered uh, worship of self, right? It isn't sexual morality saying, I don't care who this hurts. I don't care who this objectifies. I don't care what relationships this destroys. I don't care how this destroys my own soul. I want my own personal immediate pleasure right now. Paul says, kill that. That's got to go. Greed, right? Which is, he says, idolatry. Which is idolatry. When we put our, myself, when, when my desire is on the throne of my heart, right? And whatever I want, that's what I'm going to get. 
And I don't care who, who I, I have to run over in the way. I don't care who I have to manipulate. I don't care who I have to hurt. I'm gonna get what I want. It's idolatry. It's, it's worshiping of self. And Paul says, that's why God's wrath is coming. Don't you know God's, God's not, gonna de- not gonna let that go forever? Of course he's not. He's a good judge. Right? His wrath is coming for these things. Put them, to, to put them away. Kill them. Verse eight, but now put away all the following. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. These are all things that, that destroy families, that destroy communities, that destroy workplaces, that destroy relationships. You know, you know anger, wrath. You know what happens when you blow up on someone? When, when you express your anger in a sinful way? It's like throwing a, a sledgehammer into a china cabinet. It just, break, it just destroys everything and everyone's hurt and there's so much wreckage and it's, it's just horrible. He says, put that away. Put it to death. Get rid of that. Don't lie to one another. Right? We, we, if, we, if we can't trust each other, if we can't tell the truth, how can we live together? How can we have any amount of cooperation? How can we have any amount of, of love and, and peace and harmony? Like, there's, if, if you can't, that's the foundation. Truth is the foundation. We have to be able to speak the truth to each other, to tell each other the truth. And notice what he says, don't lie to one another since you've put off the old self with his practices and have put on the new self. You see, it's the process. It says, don't lie to one another since you've already put that off. You've put that off, so go ahead and put it off. Right? You, that, you've died to that stuff, so kill that stuff. You see the process. This is the Christian life. There's an already and a not yet. We've already, we've already been raised with Christ, but we will be raised with Christ. We've already put sin to death, and we need to put sin to death every day. You're being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. We are being renewed. But there is a strong negative and we can't escape it. There's no, there's no way around it, <laughs> right? There's no way around it. The, the, the path to the positive, right? If we want the positives of the Christian life, which we do, right? We promise, we're about to get to them. You have to go through the negative, right? There is death before there is resurrection. I think we need to feel it. There's a negative content of spiritual formation, but there's also a positive, praise the Lord, because the positive is much better to preach. Uh, Verse 12, therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved. And I think we should stop there for a moment. Because maybe there's someone in here uh, who needs to hear this again. (laughs) I know there's at least one Christian who does. Do you know, Christian, do you know, child of God, that you're chosen? that you're holy, that you're dearly loved. Just think for a moment about that. Do you know that he picked you? Right, you're chosen, holy. I don't know what you're struggling with today. We've already said we all have sin. So we all have struggles. So how can he say you're holy? Oh, because in Christ we are holy. We're raised with him. 
We've been given his perfect positional righteousness before the Father. We stand clean. He, he says earlier in Colossians that he will present us to the Father. Jesus will present us to the Father, holy, blameless, without spot or blemish or any such thing. Do you know that you are dearly loved? Do you know that the Father dearly loves you? And if you feel something, if you feel welling up in you, do you know why that is? It's because the Holy Spirit is in you. And he testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And that's the Holy Spirit telling you this is true, how much he loves you. Won't you receive it? I mean, let's just sing. I don't know. Let's just be done. Like, couldn't we be done? Isn't that all we need? If we're, if we're chosen, if we're holy, we're dearly loved. We go to the positive. Put on, right? Put on. Because of these things, because of this contest, because of who we are, we're chosen, we're raised with Christ, we're holy, we're dearly loved. Because of this, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. I put on these things, compassion, to feel for each other. To be kind. Kindness is an underrated virtue, isn't it? Humble. Right, humility, thinking of others, thinking of yourself less, just thinking of others, putting them first. Gentleness, another underrated virtue, I think. Patience, so many of these things, they, they, they're, in our culture, they're seen as weakness, aren't they? Kind, gentle, patient. Oh, but it's not weakness. It's not weakness. There's, there's strength in these things. Bearing with one another. I love this one because it's just so honest. It's like, yeah, in the family of God, you know what? There's people, you're just gonna have to put up with them. <laughs> right? It's like, yeah, Lawson, yeah, he, he's, he's just kind of like that. You know, Jesus will fix him someday, so we'll just keep loving him. Yeah, I appreciate that. Right, bear with one another. If you're giving one another, if anyone has a grievance against another, again, honestly, like, we're, hey, we're gonna sin against each other. We're gonna hurt each other. If you love someone, what does it mean? You're open to them sinning against you. You're in a relationship and they will sin against you. And what happens when that happens in the, in the family of God? Oh, there's forgiveness. There's forgiveness. There's a lot, in our culture, there's a lot of calls, aren't there, for justice, right? For, for ostracizing, for canceling people because of something that they've done wrong. You know what there's not a lot of calls for? Forgiveness. We're to model this, aren't we? As a community. And look at, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also are to forgive. You see, uh, th this isn't just uh, do this because it's the right thing to do, though it is the right thing to do. But what is it? We're being formed into the image of Christ. This is the reason why we put these things on is because this is who Christ is. He is compassionate toward us. He is kind toward us, isn't he? He is humble. He humbled himself to the point of death, even death on the cross. He is gentle. He is patient with us. Has the Lord been patient with you in your life? 
He is forgiving. He bears with us. And so we put on Christ and we bear with each other. Above all, verse 14, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Right? This is what, it's what gets it all together. It's what puts it all together for us is this love that we have for one another. Right? That we truly want the best for each one. Right? We truly want the best for each other. We will sacrifice so that that best can happen. And let the peace of Christ, to which you are also called in one body, rule your hearts. This one's pretty great. The, the word rule, uh, it, it can mean like a, like a judge or like, a, like an umpire. You know, so it's saying like the, what, the umpire in our church is the peace of Christ. <laughs> let the peace of Christ rule. So it's like, if you're thinking, I, I, should, I wonder if I should do this, like let the peace of Christ go, fair, yeah, you should do that. Or foul, no, don't do that. Right, that, <laughs> the peace of Christ calls the shots because we're one body, we're united. And be thankful. Be thankful. Thankfulness is mentioned in 15 and 16 and in 17. Thankfulness, I think, is the primary response to the grace of God. Right? The, a Christian must be first thankful. Right? If we've received the grace of God, how could we not overflow with gratitude? Be thankful. Let the word of Christ, the word of Right, the scriptures, the word of Christ, what the scripture about his the, the grace, the gospel of Jesus. Let let his word dwell richly. Let it live richly among us. You could meditate on that for the rest of your life. What does it mean for the word of Christ to dwell richly among us? In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. I love the singing it is a very Christian act, right? It's important. Do you know that, and, and, that singing is not just kind of a cursor, cursory thing? Like we don't just come together in staff meeting and like, hey, what can we do while people are like in the foyer and need to come into the, you know, get in their seats? Well, let's just play some music, you know, till people can get here. No, that's not it. That's not it. Like singing is important. What, what's happening in singing? That we're teaching and admonishing one another through these songs. Right? That when, when, I, when, I'm, when you're standing there and you're singing and you hear your sister beside you saying, in Christ alone, my hope is found. Right? What is she doing? She's preaching the gospel to you. Right? You're preaching the gospel to her. And when you see across the room, your brother who's, who's suffering, but you see him just worshiping. What, what is that, that reminds you that God is good. And, and he's testifying to that with his worship. And you're, you're lifted in that moment, aren't you? I'm so thankful for Pastor Kevin and, and the, the, all the years of Redeemer, how he has so carefully selected songs Right, that are so theologically rich, they're so biblical, that when we sing them, we are teaching and admonishing one, one another. It's wonderful. And whatever you do, verse 17, do everything uh, in word or deed, so what we, what we speak, what we do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
We, we are to, because we are putting on Christ, because we're being formed into his image. When then what happens when we're formed into his image? Well, we, we act on his behalf. We are his ambassadors, right? We, when we put on the character of Christ, we represent Christ to each other and to the world. We act as his representative and in his power. We do everything in his name. And of course, when we do that, we give thanks to God the Father through him. Because how would he, why would he use us? Why would we be able to do that, to do something in the name of Jesus? Oh, it's all grace. It's all grace. We give thanks. We could keep going. But th- this is the, the content of spiritual formation. There's a negative there's a, a killing of sin, a putting to death. And there's a positive, there's a putting on uh, the, the, uh, new, the new man, the new self, right? It's like we put off, uh, you know, imagine a, a, a convict being released from prison, taking off the, the one garment he wore for years in prison, the old ratty thing, taking that off and putting on a new set of clothes. This is what we're saying. Paul's like, put off that old stuff. It's not you anymore. You're free now. Here, wear this. It's Christ's righteousness. It's his character. We've seen the context and the content, and now let's talk about the concrete steps. What, what practically can we do to be formed spiritually? And of course, this is an, an overview. <laughs> uh, we could, uh, I, you know, this passage could be a whole sermon series. First, uh, first is be raised. Or be raised again. If you, if you want to grow spiritually, you have to be alive. You have to be alive. Maybe you realize that you're like, oh, I, I see why. I've been trying to be a good person, but I see why I have, I've had no power to do that. I've been trying to live the Christian life without the power of God, right? And you're gonna fail at that. <laughs> we all will. You can't, live, you can't live the way of Jesus without the power of Jesus. And so maybe you need to be raised, right? You need to confess that you've rebelled. You need to die. You need to give up the rights to your life. I, I need, submit. I'm gonna submit to Jesus. He's my Lord. I trust him. If, if you're in here and you're not a Christian, I think you should become one. It's the best thing. It's the best way to live. It's what you were created for. Like, argue against me with it. Like, why, why wouldn't you wanna be a Christian? Like, seriously, what keeps you? What would keep you today from becoming a Christian if you're not one? I'd love to talk to you about that. Or talk with the person who brought you. Like, that would be a great conversation to have. Be raised. <laughs> New life, it's wonderful. Uh, second, be together. Number two, be together. Uh, again, we, we, we have to be like we, there's no option for us not to be together. If we're united with Christ, then we're united with each other. Like Christian, you're here. Like we're your family, warts and all. <laughs> you know, like this is what you got. Uh, you can't choose your biological family. You really can't choose your spiritual family either. Uh, we're, we're just here. And so, um, so, so and, and this is the context, the only context where spiritual formation happens. You see that there's not, I think there's, there's a, a myth of, you know, some people call it like lone ranger spirituality. It's like, but there is no, that, that's a myth. There is no scenario where you're just off by yourself, all lonesome, and you're just like this great spiritual giant. You're mature, you're, you're you know, you're formed into the image of Christ. 
It's just not how it works. It's not the context where it happens. So we gotta be together. And so here's some, some concrete steps for you. The first is membership. Join a church, right? Join a church. And, and we always say, there's lots of good churches in the area. It doesn't have to be here. Like if you're looking for churches, I think God bless you because it's so hard to look for churches and visit churches and you feel like you're eva- like evaluating the churches. Like I, I know that's so difficult. It's a wonderful thing about working at a church is that you don't ever have to do that. Uh, <laughs> and so I'm, I'm thankful for that. But I, so I, I feel for you. Um, but you should join somewhere. Like get involved, like, like join. Put your, fl- your flag in the ground somewhere. I hope it's here. I hope you'll join here. If you haven't joined Redeemer, we sit down. Uh, like in, we have a membership class and then we have a, like a membership meeting where we wanna hear your, sto- your personal story. And, uh, and then we talk about, and we just read through our membership covenant. And our membership covenant is basically this stuff. It's like, hey, you want to follow Jesus uh, and we want to follow Jesus. Uh, you, you need to put your sin to death. We're going to put our sin to death. We're going to, we're going to chase after him with all that we are. When you get off track, we're going to call you back. And when we get off track, we want you to come and call us back, right? We're going to help each other and live this life together. We commit to it. That's what it means to join the church. That's the first step. Second, second concrete step is... Uh, is come to church, right? Be involved. Like, come on Sundays, every Sunday. Come to the Wednesday night, second Wednesday potlucks. It's a potluck. (laughs) It's wonderful, right? Like, pick up some Taco Bell tacos. My kids would love that right? Uh, like, just be there. Be there. Be with, with your family. Um, church attendance, and there's lots of numbers, but, you know, it's, it's clearly, uh, it's lots of different studies that say different things, but it's clearly in decline, right? Even among, you know, Christians, even among people who would say they're, uh, they're members of a church, uh, church attendance is, is in uh, decline. And I think, you know, so often the, the excuses that we hear are, are Honestly, just very lame excuses. You know, it's like, do you know that we, whenever it rains, we have less attendance? Like, do you go to work when it's raining? <laughs> I mean, what do you, like, like select baseball, dance, competitive cheer? Like, well, you never miss a practice, but you often miss church? Does that communicate some kind of value to your, ch- your child? I was talking to another pastor uh, this week and he was just pointing out that, man, in all, in all areas of our life, we commit to things at work, at school, sports, right, extracurriculars. Like we, we commit and we, we make it a priority to be there. But for some reason, church has become this sort of like optional thing. And I don't, I, don't, I don't say this to condemn anyone uh, at all. Um, I think it would be like if we are having, like if I have a family dinner at my house and when, when we're having dinner with our family, if, if like consistently about half of the kids were there at any one dinner. What would happen? Well, I would have to have a conversation with them. <laughs> Right? about, hey, this is what it means to be a family. This is what it means that we're, we, it's important that we're together. Like, yeah, I know you wanted to play video games. I know you wanted to, yeah, you didn't, do, you didn't finish your homework. You should have finished it earlier. This is more important than that even. 
And I think that's the same for us on Sunday morning, right? This is where we gather to sing together. As we just talked about the importance of singing, how that, how that teaches us and admonishes us and helps us. Where we, stand, we sit underneath the word of God and we come together as a church family under his word that he would dwell richly in us. Where we take communion, we come to the table, we remember the body and the blood of Jesus. Right? This is important. It's family dinner and we're family. Like we love you. <laughs> Be here. And, and Satan wants nothing more uh, than to tear us apart. Right, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What does he want to do? He just wants to tear us apart from God, separate us from, from God, and separate us from each other. And if he can do that, he wins. Let's just not let him win. Let's just beat him with potlucks. <laughs> That's the best way to beat him, right? <laughs> Come on. Uh, right, like, let's, let's prioritize being together. Last practical on, on be together is, is uh, join a life group. Join a life group. It is hard. How, do you, how are you family? You know, besides, besides being here on Sundays, how, how can you be family with 400 people? You can't. You can't. And that, that really irks me a little bit because I, like, I just know so many of you and I'll have a conversation. I'll be like, oh, do you know this person? And you're like, no, I've never met him. Like, Y'all are supposed so awesome. Y'all have to know each other. I just, I wish we could all, uh, we could all know each other better. Um, but how, how, do you, how do you practically live as family? You gotta, you gotta make it smaller. You gotta join a group, a life group. Uh, have a smaller group of people where you're, you're saying, this, these are my people. I know them. They know me. I'm gonna hold them accountable. They're gonna hold me accountable. I'm gonna pray for their kids. They're gonna pray for my kids. When I'm sick, they're gonna bring me a meal. When they're sick, I'm gonna bring them a meal. This is how we live life with our family, their church family. And so there's a table out in, in the, the foyer uh, where you can look, see our life groups and someone will be there to help you uh, to sign up for our life groups. Check one out, find, a, find one that would work for you um, that you could visit this week. Join a life group, be together. Right, this is where the formation happens. It doesn't happen other places. So be raised, be together, and third, uh, make every effort. Make every effort. Um, this, I take these, these, these exact words from Second Peter 1, where, where Peter says this twice in that passage, to make every effort to grow in godliness. I think sometimes in our gospel-centered theology, we think that effort is somehow legalism. Oh, I don't want to be legalistic. Uh, but, but Dallas Willard, I think very helpfully said, uh, gra uh, grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning, right? Yeah, if you're trying to do this stuff to earn the love of God, then give up. <laughs> you can't ever do that. Christ did it all for us, right? We are raised with him. We are holy and righteous and dearly loved, right? But, but, but if you read the New Testament, you see a lot of effort, don't you? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You see, put on, even here, put to death what's earthly and you put on these things. This takes effort and planning, sacrifice, intentionality. Right? Make every effort. By God's grace, of course, it's all him. But we do make every effort. And so how do we do that? Well, just these ways that, that Paul has said, the, the negative, to, to kill sin, Right, kill sin. What, what sin in your life is just eating you up? Where are you? Right, and, and I would just ask, and I think some people 
complicate fighting sin. It's, it's actually not that complicated. We can rationalize it. Oh, I can, and, and it all ends up with, I'll just keep it to myself and try to work on it and get better. <laughs> right, how's that going for you? Uh, not good, right? How, how do you kill sin? What does, this, what does it say? What, what, is, what does uh, James 5 say? Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Have you confessed that sin to someone? No. Okay, have they prayed for you? No. Are you healed? <laughs> no. Makes sense, right? It's, there's, it's, they're simple. It's, it's simple, but, but, but real, right? This, this is how you kill sin. We actually need each other. Surprise, surprise. You can't just do it on your own. We need each other. We have to have the community. We have to have one another to kill sin. What does 1 John say? If we walk in the light, as he's in the light, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin and we have fellowship with one another. Right? We walk in the light if we bring, that, bring this sin out, bring our sin out into the light. And so we need to kill sin. You should have, here's a concrete, you should have someone in the church, a few people, hopefully, who you can be really honest with. Share your sin. I know it's hard. Especially as you get older, it seems especially as you get older and if you're a man, it's just hard. It's hard to have friends. It's hard to know how to start that. It's hard to get it going. Listen, I, don't, I, I can't do everything. I don't, I, can't make, I don't know your situation. I can't help you, with, you know, in every, every step, but we, don't we have to make it happen? You need someone to confess sin to. If that's Regen, which starts tomorrow night, if that's coming, coming to Regen, going, man, I need, I, I'm, I'm done trying to battle this on my own. Whether it's opening up to your life group, going, guys, I, I really need to confess some stuff to you next time we meet. Uh, whether it's, uh, you know, j- just starting a group with guys, you know, I, don't, I don't know, come find a pastor, come find one of, you know, one of us. Uh, we would love to talk with you about this, help you work through it. Like, but you have to be open. You have to drag this out into the light. That's the negative. Make every effort, kill sin, destroy it. Uh, but the positive, right? The positive, we could say a lot of things about this, but if you think about some of these commands, set your mind on the things above. How do we set our mind on the things above? How, how, do, we, how do we let the word of Christ dwell richly among us? What are some practical steps you can take? Well, we have Bible studies, right? There's Bible studies starting this fall, We're studying the book of Proverbs, which is the wisdom of God. Right, who, who is Jesus? They, they, so you're studying the character of Christ that we are called to put on, the wisdom of God. Maybe you need to sign up for a Bible study this semester. There's, there's a table out in the foyer that has Bible studies. You can find the one that's right for you. Or join a Bible study. Maybe you need, uh, you need to, to, to re-up or to learn spiritual disciplines. There are well-worn paths Right, that, that of, of practices that put us in, in God's presence so that he can transform us. Right, disciplines like Bible reading, like meditation, like prayer, like solitude and silence, like Sabbath. Right? There's, there's these, these practices that, that can put us before God so that he can transform us. Maybe you wanna learn about those. We have a spiritual disciplines class also starting up in the fall. Look at that, it's gonna be on Sunday mornings. Right? 
I would make every effort. I don't know I, that you could put anything in that category. Maybe, you, maybe God's bringing something to your heart, your mind that you need to do. Do it. Be raised, be together, make every effort. And as we close, uh, I, I would just like to do a little thought experiment. Think of uh, the most godly person you know. Right? Who is the most godly person you know? You got him? Okay, how did they get that way? How did they get that way? And I'll tell you something, it wasn't an accident. They didn't just wake up one day and like, whoa, all of a sudden I just have great character. All of a sudden I used to blow up at my kids and now I'm just so patient, it's wonderful. <laughs> it's not how it works. Richard Foster said, the righteousness that we desire is not poured on our heads. <laughs> it doesn't just bloop, happen. No, how, how, did they, how did that person get like that? How, how, when they walk in the room and it, they just emanate this sort of love and they see you and they light up because they love you and they just take genuine interest in you. Like, and it's real, you know? It's, it's like they're not faking it. It's real. This is their character. They're in a tough situation. They can be stressed and yet they still respond with such patience. How did they get to be that way? Well, they were raised with Christ and they were committed to a church family. I guarantee you, you ask them, they were committed to a church family. And through, through discipline, there are a lot of studying the Bible, a lot of prayer, a lot of confession and meeting with others, a lot of serving others, right? And, and not only their own needs. God formed them into the image of Christ. It is not a mystery. Spiritual formation is laid out very clearly, actually. And this is what God is calling us to, to live the way of Jesus. May he do it by his grace. May he do it in us. Let's pray. I'd love to give you a moment um, just to respond to the Lord yourself. Ask the Lord what, what he wants you to do in response to his word in Colossians this morning. Have you been raised with Christ? Do you want to be? Do you want to be a Christian? You'd like to become a Christian today. That's wonderful. I'd love to talk to you about that. Again, I'm not, we're not going to pressure you into anything. <laughs> we could like we can. No. But I'd love to talk to you about that. The prayer team in the back would love to talk to you about that.
maybe you're here and, and there's a sin that the Holy Spirit is bringing to your mind that you need to put to death. You've been playing around, messing, you know, messing around, just trying to deal with it on your own, keeping it in the dark. You think it's fine. It's not fine. Yeah, it's not you. <laughs> you've put that, to, you've died to that. So put it to death, bring it into the light. Maybe you've neglected your church family. Maybe your priorities are, are just out of whack. It's fine, just admit that to the Lord. great patience with us. If you, O oh Lord, should mark iniquities, who could stand? <laughs> not me, not any of us. So thank you that in Christ we are chosen, we are holy, we are dearly loved. Would you pour your love into the hearts of your children right now? Would we not only know cognitively the truth of your love for us, but would we know experientially the truth of your love for us? Would we experience it? Would we feel it? Would we know it in our bones, not just our heads? Lord, would you give us power strength and courage by your spirit to live in the way of Jesus. Destroy sin in us. Bring it into the light. As painful as that may be. Clothe us with your righteousness. Make us like Jesus. We pray this in his powerful name. Amen.